Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the show. It's Ben here. I'm delighted to be joined today by Jill West and Maria Dugan from Indigenous Employment Partners. Indigenous Employment Partners is an Aboriginal operated social enterprise with a mission to provide culturally appropriate employment, recruitment and training services for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia and the organisations who employ them there. So uh, guys, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. All right, guys, why don't we start, Jill, I'll start with you because you're top on my screen. Do you want to give us a little bit about your background and how you got into the business? So um, I'm a away woman from the islands of Bass Strait in Tasmania, the Phoenix Islands, and I'm also a Bunurong woman from the um, down in Point Nepean in Victoria. So I actually worked for Centrelink, the Department of Services or Services Australia, for 13 years as an Indigenous service officer. So I'm very passionate about helping our people and our people get into work fully safely. And then I started in another place which was a job active. So after 13 years, I left uh, Centrelink. And then I was asked to come over to Indigenous Employment Partners as CEO. So I've been here seven weeks now and loving it. Uh, in the COVID environment, it has been hard, but we're doing the best that we can. And that's that's me in a little bit of a nutshell. Nice. Great. Thanks very much. And Maria, how about you? What's your background? Yes. I So just a, um, a bit about myself. I'm Papua New Guinea and um, got family through Papua New Guinea and the Torres Straits. Yeah. Um, yes, I've been here in Melbourne for quite some time and... My background is working in HR, so I've been doing that for over 12 years and, you know, my passion is really about helping young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, kids, uh, you know, have them come through with good employment skills and seeing that, you know, we've got, you know, a lot of varying forms of education with these kids. So, yeah, I thought I'll join Indigenous. So, actually, Dennis approached me. And um, asked me if I'd like to come and work for them. I said yes. So I work with Jill and Dennis on a part-time basis, but I also work in a local government sector. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. And uh, Jill, um, you recently joined. What was it about the business that attracted you? Uh, It attracted me that it was Uh non-government. So there was no restrictions on who we could help get into employment. Yep. And, it, and also that um, it was like a, there was three people that started this business in 2016, uh, Sarah, Nicole and Dennis. So Sarah, Stuart, Nicole, Finlay and Dennis Batty. And they were tired of seeing the same solutions being trotted out year in, year out and the problems of unemployment and overtraining in communities. Mm-hmm. So I knew that background and I knew them and I knew why they were doing what they were doing. So it just, it was just a place that I knew that I like, part of what I do also, I like to uh, educate non-Indigenous people about our history yeah. and teach them about 
our culture, but also the history of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians. Yes. So this is part of our business. We do train and um, that's, yeah, really part of my passion as well. So it just fit, it fit the box for everything I wanted to do. Yeah. In yeah. my whole, like with my whole Aboriginality and helping people get into work and non-Indigenous and helping support non-Indigenous people as well. So, you know, it's not, it, um, you know, Together, the three of them, they have 60 years combined experience in Aboriginal employment and training. So I, you know, I'm just, I was just yeah. drawn to it and I thought this would be amazing. It's been an amazing company and it was, it's an amazing opportunity that I've been given. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, what about you, Maria? What, what lured you to the business? Uh, sort of pretty much, you know, similar values in terms of uh, working for community and helping community. Um, part of that was also like, you know, with the fantastic work they've been doing with the youth yeah. as well. Um, and also working like, you know, engaging community back into the workforce as well. Some of them have been out of workplace for a, a long time. Um, yeah. also the young ones too. I mean, if you look at the percentages within, you know, Victoria or Australia as a whole, you know, you've got to this history where young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people used to get to school and fall out of the system, the education system, at a year, early age. You know, they could reach the highest would be year 9 or year 10, right. but never continue on to further studies. So um, with Indigenous employment partners, I think helping them keep them engaged and into employment, and, you know, that's even through education. So, I, you know, I really like those. So, And I've been doing work in that space myself. Uh, but worked in mainstream organisations and saw the gap and I thought, you know, I can go and you know, at least um, work with an organisation that will, you know, contribute to that. Mm, I like that. Yep. And the, uh, there's, uh, in the HR world, there's the, the whole find your why. There's a great TED talk and it just kind of exploded, but it's all about find your why and what's driving mm. you, what, what, what's your ultimate thing. But you guys have certainly described some, um, <laughs> there's a great why there in terms of helping people, helping organisations, uh, employment training the works so yeah it must be a, a nice feeling to be there um jill do you want to talk us through about what the business does itself and how do you help your clients and then maria I might ask you uh, about some of the um culturally safe employment side of things so jill do you want to tell us about what the business does yep so the business is uh like i said a social enterprise and what we do is that we have a lot of uh, services uh, that we help people, uh, businesses, as well as community, community organisations. Um, we run Indigenous cultural awareness. Mm -hmm. We have cultural awareness uh, workshops, cultural self safety training, recruiting Indigenous Australians, um, working with Indigenous Australians. So that's the training um, sector of it. Yep. And then the corporate capacity building sector is um, we help build reconciliation action, like reconciliation action development and review, cultural safety audits. We have policy and procedure development and reviews, Aboriginal recruitment and employment strategies, developments, uh, Aboriginal procurement strategy developments, cultural protocol and community engagement programs. Yep. So that's our, um, basically our stage one. Training is stage two. And then recruitment is stage three. So recruitment and support, direct recruitment, work experience placements. We also have tertiary cadetships, mm -hmm. post-placement mentoring and support. And that 
is like our social purpose and charitable purpose activities that we have in between. So like we're, it's, it's all delivered to community and non-funded by the employer. Um, we have Indigenous mentor courses, Money Works Financial Literacy Workshop, Ready to Work, um, Work Preparation Workshop, Shops Staying Culturally Safe at Work Workshops, and Work Readiness uh, Capacity Assessment. So we do a, we do, do a lot um, within the, like the community. And you do a lot. I'm feeling lazy doing nothing here. You guys, that's, that's about a million things. You better come back to Australia. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, and who are your typical clients? And I'm thinking about the whole 80-20 principle of, you know, there are certain sectors that you would work with more. Who would you typically work with? So we typically work for... Um, or with employers who are looking to employ Indigenous people. Yeah. So Indigenous youth are, um, Indigenous, Indigenous youth is coming up a lot. A lot of, a lot of um, like trades and trade people looking for Indigenous um, youth to work with them. Yeah. So we, we have, um, we also work with community, like the all communities around Victoria. Um, and we also work with um, government, as in like uh, Department of Employment, um, helping them as well as we also have, just trying to think, who else do we have, Maria? We work um, with local um, government. councils. Yeah, councils, local government. government. Yeah, sure. so we also, yeah, we work with the private sector and the not and the not-for-profit yep. sector okay. and also um, the community, like, you know, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses as well. Yeah, okay, mm. that makes sense. And, Maria, tell us about the culturally safe employment packages side of things because that's a really important area for employers to be able to create an environment to be able to yeah. uh, recruit more Aboriginal and yeah. Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from continuing on from what Jill said, sort of my, like another part of that um, is to look at organisations and looking, working with their business units to see if their policies and procedures are inclusive of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, people. So it's really looking at how businesses, business, businesses can change um, their ways of better recruitment um, practices and how they can target recruitment to employ First Nations peoples Um, and also are they culturally safe as an organisation to be able to provide a good safe working environment with your professional development opportunities and you know pathways to you know further pathways to employment and skills development and also retention within the organisation. So it's looking at a whole, it's really looking at your end-to-end recruitment practices. So it's coming through and having a look at do that, you know, for me, coming in and seeing, you know, seeing it through a cultural lens um, and if they are prepared to make changes to um, embed those those recruitment, good recruitment and culturally appropriate recruitment practices within the organisation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, basically that's what, that's sure. what I do on It's my a full side. life cycle. Yeah, yeah, it's the full it employee full, life cycle. It's like an employee, it's looking at the employee life cycle, um, yeah, employee life cycle within an organisation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this is an issue for uh, employers around the world in terms of um, trying to get uh, full, diverse, fully inclusive uh, workplaces and I've seen far too many businesses just say 
we are an equal opportunity employer and that's great. Thanks very much for that. Um, but where does that fit into the full life cycle? So you're helping employers look throughout the entire range and, and make it far more um, attractive, safe, etc. So yeah, brilliant. Um, what about uh, some of the biggest challenges you guys have faced in, in business and, and what are you doing to overcome them? Maybe Jill, so I start with you. Yes. So some of the biggest um, challenges that we've faced is the attitude, attitudes but, but, um, towards Aboriginal businesses, low expectations by clients and, and what we can achieve compared to non-Aboriginal businesses. What do you mean by that? So there's a lot of attitudes um, from people saying that um, Aboriginal um, businesses really don't run the same as non-Aboriginal businesses. Right. Um, yeah, so there, yeah. there's always been a stigma behind, you know, um, business expectations yeah. for um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses meeting, you know, certain uh, business achievements. Um, yeah, so it is trying to break down that barrier. That's the biggest challenge we face as an mm. Aboriginal um, and Torres Strait Islander business, like a mm -hmm. First Nations business, into the corporate world. Um, because I think that, breaking, that, sorry, Jill. I'd say that it's the attitudes, mm. Mm. The, um, non-Aboriginal businesses towards the Aboriginal, like business that we've got low expectations by what the clients think of us yeah. as Aboriginal organizations. Okay. Maria, yeah. yeah. What, what do you do to overcome that or address that, um, it's not an easy problem to solve. What are things you can do or do currently do? Um, well, to my lens or the way I look at things is, is education. We need to educate non-Indigenous people and businesses about, um, you know, the Aboriginal people, the, you know, the intergenerational trauma, you know, and, and, yep. and resolving that and healing that. Um, making sure that they're aware of cultural obligations, making sure that they know that, you know, we work, walk in two worlds and also that, you know, we we can have a business brand just the same as another business. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, Maria? No, absolutely. And I think you just got to be, you know, very persistent. I mean, especially for a non, um, an, a, you know, a non-mainstream or private sector business because we are from community we know our community well and that drives that passion to actually make it work. Um, and we know at the end of the day, it's very grassroots business where we are helping community and we see the effects and improvements. Um, it may not be a private, you know, a big multi-million dollar business, but, mm. you know, for us, our heart lies with getting and community engaged and moving them forward, um, giving them better opportunities and better economic um, economic you know um foundations for them yeah. yeah well i mean i've certainly been impressed by the way you guys operate just in in terms of getting this podcast together and your website is really impressive you've got lots of information you guys are really well organized and i have to say you're a lot of fun too so <laughs> but <laughs> I, i'm curious because i know uh people in different people businesses around the world i was talking with someone recently she's african-american person in the u.s and she mentioned that she goes into client meetings for the first time and sometimes feels that they don't listen to her because she's female and because she's black that's how she was describing it and that they were taking that on you know her ideas on board enough 
And so it's about positioning for the right type of clients and then getting the right types of questions answered early on all sorts of stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough challenge. And I think one of the best ways I've seen other businesses handle it is working out who are our ideal clients and then within those ideal types of businesses, who are the people we typically speak to and then what are the kinds of questions that they have straight up. So let's get those things answered before they even ask them. So we look even more professional, blah, blah, blah. So I know from, from your website and talking to you guys, you guys are already doing that, but yeah, I understand it's a really, it's a big challenge, but I'm sure you're doing well at that. So well done every to you guys. Day. Yeah. Every day we just, um, we just try and help people, our people get into work yeah. and help indigenous people learn about our people and our culture mm. and um, how to, how, how that our youth and our people can bring so much to an employer. Um, we've even just our, our cultural way as well. Absolutely. And, you know, you know just having this, making sure the support's there and the understanding, especially around the cultural concepts and things like that. But we are a lot of fun, <laughs> I must oh. say. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, for people listening who are outside of Australia, could you maybe give us, I don't know, some background or a, an overview of some of the cultural differences that you're helping employers learn about and educate and create culturally safe uh, environments. Can you give us a bit of an idea about that? Yep. But, so yeah. um, still in um, still in today, we have cultural obligations to our um, caring for our families. Yep. Um, so we need to make sure that the employer is clear that our um, auntie is our mother. Mm-hmm. So, our uncle is our father. So it's that, that closeness of our culture and our family mm. that if I say I need to go look after my auntie, it's actually we look at it as our mother. Yes. So, or if we've got to go back home for a ceremony, a ceremony might take a week or a month. Right. You know, things like that, our sorry business. You know, if our sorry business if someone passes away. So that could be a month away of, of mourning and things like that. Yeah. What about you, Maria, with your, because Maria is the Torres Strait Islander Papua New Guinea, which is different, distinct, mm-hmm. different culture, but along the same lines. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's really, a lot, it's just differences, but along the same lines, what Jill was saying. So it's really looking after your kingship families and extended families. Um yeah, so culturally, I mean, you know, as an organisation, that's what we want to break down the barriers within organisation, teaching that. And as Jill mentioned before, we do work, um, you know, we do live and work in two worlds. So how how do we, you know, um, sort of work with organisations to understand that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We balance the two worlds, the cultural world and the Western world. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. So I'm a, a bit of a marketing nerd. I'm always curious about how businesses grow and, and find new clients. How did you get your first few clients or how are you finding new clients these days? Yes, yeah, so when um, Dennis, Sarah and Nicole started, it was word of mouth really through yep. community mm. and that um, they started their first you know, couple of clients coming in through word of mouth. And then as, as the business grew and we have all of our, our channels out there, the main marketing channels now is still still word of mouth. That's still very important. But we also have, um, we use social traders and Kinaway networks. So, Maria, do you, know, do you want to say a bit about Kinaway? 
Um, yeah, so Kenyaway really, look, so we belong to two professional bodies, Indigenous Employment does, so it's Social mm. Traders and Kinaway. Um, so Kinaway is a, a Chamber of Commerce and is the leading Victorian organisation that's really dedicated, you know, in supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses, nice. um, owners to increase participation in our economy, um, local and sort of at a, a interstate level as well. Mm-hmm. And they really support um, us in advocacy and networking and partnerships also. So it's really important to, for us, you know, a business to align yourself with professional bodies that you can network off and yeah. leverage off. Um, and I think what Jill said before too is that we already have strong relationships in the community before even when we do start businesses. So our networks are very strong, even our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander networks. So when we say word of mouth, it's already out there, you know. It's yeah. um, And we springboard off that. And social media platform is growing for it, you know, for the, for every business, mm. and sort of, you know, we curtail that as well. So, um, so do you yeah, use social media? Um, yeah. We like, I think, with community. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jill, but because we've already know, like, community is knows <laughs> everybody knows everybody in community. Yeah. So we do. We use social media for business and also at a personal level. Um, and that's sort of that's sort of like our big thing and how we promote. So if we promote a job within, for example, if a Indigenous employment partners have a job in Victoria, we've got social networks, like community networks in other states too, family members and or, you know, people that we know through connections, we will send that to them. So it really um, helps drive the marketing in an essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What What about someone outside of that community? I I don't know. A family-run, mid-sized business gets a new CEO, takes over from the family, and says, "Right, I want to start becoming a better part of the culture and contributing to the rise in employment of First Nation peoples." How do I do that? You know, so they don't know. How would they learn about what is on offer and what's available and what you guys can do? So generally, um, I'm uh, from what I've. I've seen is that people like will Google Aboriginal um, recruitment. Oh, yeah. We have that engine in there. We have LinkedIn and Facebook page as well as our, our internet page that we have. Yep. So we have that on offer as well. But um, word of mouth, like mm-hmm. I say, that, that, that LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, our, our internet page, our website. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's also it's also um, like we also have government organisations that have um, you know networks that you know you belong to that run a like a what they call a local um, Aboriginal network. So it's run by the Department of Jobs and precincts it sits underneath them so if you become a member you send all of your information or business information through that that gets filters not filters out not just to aboriginal um organizations but people in other organizations mainstream organizations so everybody knows it's all well connected yeah, yeah. um if somebody is new to the scene there's always uh, a connection there that you know that is that will drive the message for us as yeah. well. So, Do you know what? Yeah. I can't help but think that because you are a slightly different business to the ones I've spoken to in the past where it's we do HR consulting services or we're a recruitment firm and stuff, you've got a, a whole issue of having to educate 
about broader issues uh, and some of the ceremonies that you mentioned there, you know, I don't know about that stuff and plenty of other people would, I'd be curious to see what it would be like if you um, did little snippet videos on what is this, what is this, what is this? And, you know, one to three minute videos on the various topics and FAQs almost. Cause I reckon um, that could perform well. A, it educates people and helps, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. But then secondly, it, it probably brings them to your business because you're not the only one out there, I guess, doing this sort of yeah. thing. I, yeah. Yeah, so we're just redoing our whole website. Oh, okay. And, yeah, we're looking at to do hopefully something like that and revamp the whole websites. Um, we also have a sister company that we own called CPCC, which is a printing um, business, Aboriginal printing business. So yep. we also have that as well. Um, Sarah is CEO of that. So we promote that as well when we talk about our business because we're nice. all in it together. Okay. Yeah. And look, if you just want to go absolutely crazy with this, then do look up uh, a recent podcast episode of where I went solo, in fact, and talked about the 10 reasons why websites don't bring in enough new clients. So for you, for anyone listening, check that out. It's a fascinating listen. Um, but no, it is very helpful in terms of how you could uh, bring in more business from that regards. Now, what do you see coming down the road for HR and the world of work and how should listeners be prepared for these changes? Well, it's like, you know, Coming down from the HR road, sort of looking at the changes in organisational HR policy and procedures, you know, work that reflects and recognises the importance of working in a cultural space, embedding cultural knowledge and protocols. Um, So really, you know, tapping into businesses like ours to make that happen. So we are, you know, experts in the field. So, yeah, it's really looking at your internal structures as a business and seeing that you know do you need to you know um have these uh, policy and organizational changes within your organization um, and implement them and how effective do you implement them yeah yeah so understand what's coming plan for it implement them and and yeah, I guess monitor the Well, develop me, Paula. Yeah, what's coming down? Like, you know, as an organization, are you culturally, you know, you do you look through your own review you know cultural competency as an organization are you diverse are you accepting of aboriginal Mm. and torres strait islander people um, within your organization so are you willing to embed those changes so it is like coming down the road for hr is just really reviewing your own work practices yeah and i suspect it's better to get outside help because it's hard to look internally sometimes and be uh objective yeah so i would suggest if you're listening to this yet yeah, do check out indigenous employment partners for advice on how to make some of this stuff happen jill if people want to engage your services partner with you refer business to you or just learn more about indigenous employment partners what should they do next if they just could go to our website it's got um we've got a link there for our uh, email address mm-hmm. so just send an email and we'll if you need an aboriginal trans Strait employee and become you know more culturally aware more sensitive mm-hmm. uh, we love to um teach and work together with non-indigenous businesses as well getting our people into a safe working environment and, and the retention is very, you know, something we really want to look at as well and keep that there. Definitely. Brilliant. Okay. So if you're listening to this on the go, then the website address and that email will be in the show notes. So you can check that out. But Jill and Maria, thank you very much. I love what you guys are doing and, you know, wish you all the best. You've got a brilliant mission. So yeah, I wish, wish you all the best with it. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.